The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. At Bright Vibe, we believe everyone deserves to be happy. But in today's world, everywhere you turn, there is division and negativity. At Bright Vibe, we have created a global movement to bring 8 million people together who are inspired to live bright, live bold, and share bright vibes. Alone, it can be hard to change, but together we can change the world. Welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. All right, Dr. Lee Cordell, welcome to the Bright Vibe Podcast. So happy to have you on today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So you've got a big a big title here, Dr. Lee Cordell <laughs> of the Institute for Trauma and Psychological Safety. That's a big yeah. title. You know, uh, that's a big title. It doesn't fit on a credit card. The IRS, <laughs> we've had all sorts of fun things with that. Oh, I bet. It's cut off. Oh, right. I bet. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So we just we go by ITPS. It's it's a lot. It's a lot simpler. <laughs> all right. And what do you actually do there at ITPS? Yeah. We have a two pronged mission and really it's kind of over encompassed by helping people create safer, more supportive spaces, uh, both mm-hmm. inside themselves and mm-hmm. outside in the world. So we work with individuals who would like to understand more about what it means to be trauma sensitive and to create those environments. And then we also work with businesses and organizations and looking at how we can create large spaces, systems from that top down perspective that really help people feel like they belong more. What are you, I guess, defining as trauma? Yeah. So uh, we really look at trauma as an aftermath rather than an event itself. So we look at trauma as residue. So if I go through something that feels uh, serious and significant to me, has long lasting negative implications Mm -hmm. on me personally, Mm -hmm. that impacts how I show up on a daily basis. That's trauma. And that's a really broad definition. And I actually come from the healthcare background. And and Mm -hmm. a lot of times, we hear that more narrow definition of, you know, car accident or some right, other yeah, sort physical of trauma, right. physical piece. And it's the analogy of if that, those types of traumas are sledgehammers, we also mm-hmm. consider traumas that are paper cuts that if you get a thousand paper cuts on your hand mm-hmm. at once yeah. um, <laughs> or over time, like that's going to be traumatic. So right. we want to make sure we really encompass everything that negatively impacts from our past. Mm-hmm. And then how are you kind of uh, navigating or overcoming or transcending those traumas? I guess we're helping people, yeah. One of the key pieces we found is that a large portion of the residue after we go through something uh, serious and significant that's hard is either the invalidation of our experience or the minimization of our experience. And so a big piece of really moving through and processing those traumatic events is just sitting down and actually having somebody validate, wow, that was a hard experience. Or, you know, tell me more about what you felt. Tell me more about what you went through. And and having that moment where you are in connection with someone else who, who says, yeah, that was a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. And the other part is very physiological. So 
there's all the sayings, you know, the body bears the burden, right. the body keeps the score. What we are finding more and more through research and just through the past 100 years of having several collective traumas we can study, like uh, the Vietnam mm. War and mm. the pandemic is actually a great example. Mm -hmm. We're finding that people physiologically store symptoms of that trauma. And so there are a lot of different modalities and practices that you can use to help your body process those things and release them. And when you release those, the symptoms go away as well. Mm -hmm. I was reading something, I want to say two or three days ago that basically, you know, they always have studies to back up everything, but yeah. the, uh, but there was a study that they did, uh, who's they, I don't remember. Doctors were tracking back that basically 80% of all illnesses are psychologically related and they can make a direct correlation of that, right? So if you're under high levels of stress for a long enough period of time, you're going to develop certain probably ulcers and aches and pains, arthritis, whatever that may be that comes with that. So you can't, for, for the most part, you, you can't really detach the physical trauma from the mental trauma, right? The traumas, yeah. maybe there's no emotional residue, but maybe there is, who knows? But over time, those thousand paper cuts, they add up. Uh, I, I think Joe Polish um, is, you know, guy who does a lot of stuff. And he said, you know, the issues in the tissues. Now, I don't know. Yeah. If yes. he, if, right. I don't know if that's his <laughs> saying or if he just says that. So I guess because you, you know, you're you have a medical degree and then yeah. you obviously are in this psychology space. What are you seeing in some of the cases you're looking at kind of symptom or not symptoms, but the physical experiences versus the mental experience sure. or the mental trauma? Yeah. So I actually have um, my doc doctors in nurse practitioner as a nurse right. practitioner in nursing practice. And mm -hmm. um, what is so fascinating is when I was a nurse, we would see this all the time. There's a phenomenon called failure to thrive and mm -hmm. failure to thrive is where people basically they stop eating. And what we see is that that's due to disconnection. Almost always, if you trace back what has happened, this person has been neglected mm. either from a physical needs perspective, but more often so from a psychological perspective. We used to see it a lot in our intensive care patients when I worked in a medical ICU and just by giving them a routine and increasing the amount of daily connection that they had, we saw those rates of failure to thrive mm. go down. It was really fascinating. And what you just said is something that in healthcare, we're still making that connection. We got mm -hmm. yep. about, yeah, 100 to 200 years ago, we went, oh, no, 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 the brain and the body, they're separate. <laughs> and we're just starting to go, hold on a second. You know, yeah. we've looked at everything as these separate systems. And Gabor Mate actually talks about this. You know, your hormonal system, your immune system, mm -hmm. your musculoskeletal system, your cardiovascular system, all of these things are interconnected. And so if we experience something that shifts the way that our nervous system experiences mm -hmm. the world or puts okay. chemicals into our body, over time, that's going to inherently impact our immune system and all of the other systems that are connected. So yes, you know, I, I haven't seen that study. I'm actually very excited to go find that study. You know, Depression and anxiety are two of the big things that we see, and it actually goes the opposite direction because depression and anxiety oftentimes are due to physiological manifestations of trauma. And so we try to treat depression and anxiety in some cases purely psychologically, 
and therapy and, and things like that. And we don't think, wait a second, is this person actually have this stored experience in their nervous system? What if we helped them move that out? What if we shifted the way that their physical body is working? Would that impact how their nervous system works? And more and more, what I've personally seen and, and what we are, I say the word finally here, that's an opinion, but finally right. yeah. starting to study is, wow, when we incorporate somatic pieces and when we incorporate connection and belonging mm -hmm. and helping people feel included, those two things together do more for a lot of these both physical and psychological disorders than anything else we've tried to do in the healthcare system. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I've been looking at this stuff more and more as I just evolve along my own path. And yeah, it does seem that it's a more holistic approach because you got to treat the whole thing. You can't take one piece of it and say, okay, well, this is only arthritis. No, it is arthritis. And that's, you know, we and. need to need, need to treat that. But why do we have the inflammation in the joints? Is this food right. related? Is it trauma related? I mean, we just noticed even with our own son, we, my wife and I were just talking about this last, both of our kids, you know, they're fairly young and, and my son's in second grade, I guess. But uh, we noticed that gluten and sugar are just, I was talking to, um, oh, not that he's not necessarily in the space, but John, uh, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, what's his I name? Know. Yes. Yeah, yes. Anyway, uh, John. And, um, and you know, he wrote a book and he was talking to me about this at one point. He, he wrote a book and it was all about if you want to stop ADHD, just take kids off sugar and gluten. And we, we noticed like within a week, just the changes in his demeanor, in his attitude, in his way of being just changed dramatically. So that wasn't due to trauma, but it was still when we looked at the holistic system, we were saying, OK, what's causing this reaction, the psychological reaction? And it was actually, I think, just literally the overload in his system of stuff that caused inflammation. Once we took away the stuff that caused inflammation, I'll be darn his attitude and is almost like a different kid in a way. It was yes. very interesting. It's so fascinating when we really do this whole body approach mm -hmm. because it it does, it shifts so much. And I used to teach pharmacology to graduate nursing students and we'd get to the diabetes and the heart disease lectures mm -hmm. and I'd pull out this graph and I'd say, okay, tell me where we took fat out of foods. <laughs> right. Right. And we put in artificial sugars and everyone right. could go, oh, 19, I don't remember off the top of my head now, but like 1968, 1969, right, right there, right. because the graph just went off. And, you know, that plus these collective traumas that we're having on a mm -hmm. daily basis, plus the individual things that happen. And you add all of that up and then you think of generational trauma, which mm -hmm. that's a whole two hour conversation on its own. But the genes that we have were already predisposed to specific things because of the <laughs> right. trauma our ancestors went through. You add all right. that up. That's a really complex picture. Most people in today's society, we've we've become this population where we're like, I want the I want to fix now, mm -hmm. which I get because we've been taught to expect that um, not making that wrong. What is actually really fun about being in this space is we've had people we don't do therapy at the Institute. And we've had plenty of people come in and say, I just had made more progress. I feel better after four weeks of doing X, Y, and Z than the last six years I've sat on my therapist's couch. Mm -hmm. And it's because we're doing more of that holistic approach. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, well, and since you brought it up, have you, uh, do you know uh, Mark Woolen's work at all? Yay. Okay. So I'm glad that I get to tell you about Mark Woolen's work. He came on the Yay. podcast a couple of years ago, super interesting guy, but he wrote a book called Inherited Trauma. It didn't start with you. And I highly, mm-hmm. since you're, you're in that space, I'd highly recommend, but he just gives example after example of, and he actually gave us a couple examples on the show, which weren't in the book of people having different things, um, show up for them, physically show up for them that were actually, they then were able to trace back to parents and grandparents. And once they address the issue in kind of the psychology, even if the grandparents had passed, but once they made kind of the connection, oh, this is where it's coming from, it in a way healed itself just because yeah. the awareness was there of, oh, this isn't mine. This is actually something I literally, and he, and he gets into the whole science of how it affects the DNA. Like when people go through trauma and you know, mm-hmm. they look back several generations It affects, it puts a tag on the DNA and then that gets passed from generation to generation. So something happens, it triggers this thing. I was like, wow, that's just crazy. So, so that's all the bad. <laughs> so how do we, <laughs> so now that everybody listening is depressed, um, right. <laughs> so we're all screwed, um, but we're, we're collectively screwed. So what, what are some of the ways to kind of um, navigate or transcend or cure the, these traumas? So um, Judith Herman, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's an OG in the, the trauma space. Uh, <laughs> okay. She takes a very feminist perspective and, and mm-hmm. she has a three-part model that we really mm-hmm. embody at our mm-hmm. institute. And the first stage is, is safety. So actually what's so interesting, a lot of these things that we're talking about right now, uh, we talk about safety in terms of making sure that your three core needs are met. So mm-hmm. how can we give you more choice? And mm-hmm. how can we help you feel more empowered and have agency in every day? How can we help you have more psychological safety? So who is surrounding you right now? And is everyone who's surrounding you right now, do they care about your best interests? And if not, are there any ways for us to mitigate that, to shift that? And then the third piece, and this is the most important piece, because without this, you don't move on, is mm-hmm. physical safety. Mm-hmm. We think about this from a capacity or a resource perspective. Do you have the time? Do you have the energy? Do you have the financial um, assistance? And do you have full body autonomy in the space you're in? So what I mean by that is if I have somebody come to us at the Institute and say, hey, I'd love to do some trauma and recovery work, resilience work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a police officer or first responder who is still actively working. Mm -hmm. Any trauma involving what they are doing on an active basis, we are going to give them what we call trauma forward facing strategies, meaning how to cope with dysregulation, how to help themselves feel better in the moment. We're not processing any of that because it's actually (laughs) very, it's dangerous. Mm. It's dangerous to bring up past experiences when someone is still going into those scenarios. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a big, it's actually something I see the people who will have come in. Oftentimes they've been re-traumatized. They're like, yeah, I've been talking through this one thing that happened four years ago. And I'm like, wait, you're still working? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, no. <laughs> like, let's back up. So that's stage one. Uh, stage two is what uh, Dr. Herman refers to as grief and remembrance or grief and mourning. Mm-hmm. That's where we really validate like we go deep into the stuff Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And we look at like what happened and what were the consequences of that and how are let, let's validate all of the feelings. Let put, let's put names to things like let's really understand what happened to the level that you need. And then that stage always lasts longer than people want it to. It ends sooner than people are afraid it will. So it's one of those things where it's like we tell people we're like, this isn't going to be a quick fix necessarily. And you're not going to stay here forever. Right. And then the third piece is reconnection. And so reconnection is, okay. now that I understand how my life was shifted by these events and what pieces and parts of what I thought were my identity are actually not me, Mm -hmm. how do I rediscover who I am? Mm-hmm. How do I redefine who I want to be and how do I decide how I want to relate to others now? Mm-hmm. How do I want to see the world? Right. So a lot of people, they kind of, they're like, okay, I have trauma. Let me go to stage three. And those first two stages are so crucial and missing in a lot of places. And so the other piece that's interesting about this is sometimes you work on one piece, like mm-hmm. one thing, and then six things get sorted mm-hmm. because they were all connected to that. Uh, and when right. shifted, everything else shifts. And so we never know what's going to be where. And sometimes people get frustrated because they work through one and then there was something underneath of that. And then there was something yeah. underneath of that. And they're like, I don't and I like to say this, there is an end to it. I'm somebody who's personally had that experience. The way my life looks now, the way I experience life now compared to before is if you had told me I could experience life like this three years ago, four years Mm -hmm. ago, I would have laughed in your face. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the work's worth it. And so I was going to say, do you want to, it always helps me clarify things or or understand things more. If you give me an example of either a patient or if you want to use your own life, you can either use a patient or you or both. Sure. So here's an example. I've worked with a few clients who've had very specific somatic complaints that they've gone to, like, we'll use the example of back pain. Mm-hmm. They've gone to every physician, uh, healer, person, um, had all the scans, all the testing. Um, some have had surgeries, mm-hmm. lots of things. They're starting to notice other psychological stuff coming up. And so they'll come and they'll say, hey, I'd really like to work through this. So I'll do a, what we refer to as a deep dive weekend with them. So we'll go somewhere private where they've got the space to be able to do yell, scream, do whatever they need to mm-hmm. for 48 hours. We're there and mm-hmm. lots of breaks, lots of rest, those types of things. But we go through those three stages. And so I'm kind of doing an amalgam here. But these patients that particularly had back pain, mm-hmm. when we got into those grief morning remembered stages, I use a body based approach. So I talk to their body. And I say, mm-hmm. I'm not talking to your brain. I want to talk to your body. So where do you feel this? And they'll say my stomach, my chest, my wherever. What's really fascinating is, is that the body will tell you different things than the brain was going to. And unless you ask the body, the brain will say, I don't know. <laughs> All right. We kind of follow that the body's messages and we mm-hmm. I just keep, continue asking questions. Well, with these um, individuals that... I was working with one had a really profound trauma that had impacted a specific spot Mm -hmm. and it had to do with a positioning. Mm -hmm. And so it's a memory that hadn't been there before that's suddenly there and it's, oh, that's why this hurts. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So another person, when we got into there, it was an actual lower spot that they didn't realize was hurting because Mm -hmm. that top spot was masking it. 
And so when we talked to that spot, it came from a very, very minor experience that this person's like, that's what's causing all of this? Are you kidding me? It was very tiny. <laughs> right. right. She's like, yeah, they're like, I thought it was this massive thing. Nope, tiny thing. So both of these people, as we then ask these spots, what do you need? How do, you, how do we heal you? How do we help you release? How do we help you feel better? A lot comes through that. And so that process probably takes about four to six hours. Mm -hmm. That's when we get to go into that stage three after they rest for a while, where we really look at, okay, my identity was shaped off of those experiences. If I mm -hmm. get to choose who I am now, and if I get to feel better, what does that look like? Now, the interesting thing about this is that both of these humans that I'm referencing here, one got on a plane the next day and mm -hmm. they had not been able to sit up straight for more than five minutes in years. Mm -hmm. And they sat on a six hour plane ride with zero pain. Wow. Yeah. The other person had not lived without this pain in seven, eight years. And mm -hmm. it was to a two out of 10 when it was at an eight. And so both of them kept messaging and going, I keep waiting for it to come back. And I'm like, it's not going to come back because we've released it. Mm -hmm. That's not something that every human can do is mm -hmm. go into like a 48 hour session and dive mm -hmm. deep. And, and for some people, that's not the safest thing to do. You can do that work bit by bit. So mm -hmm. you can do that in 15, 20 minute sessions. You can do that um, a few times a week. And you don't even necessarily need a practitioner there with you. When and if you get comfortable with this, and I tell everyone, I'm not your practitioner, so you get to decide what is safe for you. But we have plenty of people do this work on their own mm. where, you know, their body is giving them messages and they've learned, OK, I'm going to have this conversation and I'm going to figure out what it's trying to tell me. The healing and the transformation that comes from that is so powerful. Hmm. That's very interesting. And then do you want to give an example of your own life then? Kind of sure. how you got, yeah. how, kind of how you went down this road? Because you were, even though you're in the healing space now, obviously yeah. you, you're a nurse practitioner, so you're seeing patients, yeah. you're giving meds, you're right. giving, you know, shooting people with needles and all that. I mean, you were, <laughs> right? you were, yes. you were doing yeah, all you the didn't... stuff. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I used to joke, you didn't want to see me in the hospital. You were having a bad day if you right. saw me because exactly. they, they, they only called me if you were getting admitted or you were not right. doing well. Uh, right, right. So, so I had a long term instance of molestation, um, underwent mm -hmm. that when I was a child mm -hmm. that completely repressed the memory. Oh, wow. Um, yes. Started having panic attacks at the age of nine. And those continued really persistently, was on antidepressants by the age of 14. Oh, wow. Really drove all of that hyper vigilant energy into school. And so mm -hmm. got four degrees, kept myself very busy all the time to kind of yeah. keep those symptoms at bay. Mm -hmm. When the pandemic hit, I really went, you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore. It was, I was working 20 hour shifts, I had mm -hmm. three kids at home, oh, wow. and I was watching all of the disconnection happen. Now, funnily enough, when I was in my doctoral program, I accidentally went to a trauma-informed care training. Mm -hmm. I, was, I didn't mean to. Right. <laughs> right. The universe is like, yes, you did. Right. But, yeah, um, yeah. And in that, I went, oh my gosh, this is so helpful. Again, everything's so repressed. So I went, this is so helpful for my patients, for right. my students. Right. So I went and got certified as oh, a clinical wow. trauma professional and then went, okay, I really want to do this work. So started a business, mm -hmm. left the hospital, left teaching. And then three months later, my own trauma hit. Wow. It was like 
I finally stopped moving. Mm -hmm. And I finally created that safety for myself where I was Mm -hmm. nourished. And and that's when the the emotional flashbacks and the PTSD symptoms started. Wow. And so went through my own entire summer of EMDR therapy and some somatic processing on my own. By the end of it, wasn't having panic attacks. Marriage was so much better, was just a happier, more present human. And I went, why do other healthcare workers not know about this? And why am I learning about this after becoming a clinical trauma professional? Why is this not readily available to people? And Mm -hmm. so that's when the Institute was birthed because I was like, okay, we got to, I got to go teach this. I got to share this with other humans because this has made such a profound impact for me. So one of the symptoms I had, like I said, was those panic attacks. Um, I used to not be able to fly. I had to be drugged before I, or have several glasses of wine before I could get on the plane. (laughs) Right. Any time I was far from home, Mm -hmm. I really struggled, which made sense after we figured Mm -hmm. out what had happened to me. It was so interesting to go through that process and then get on a plane. And Mm -hmm. I kept kind of like my client said, I kept waiting for that panic. (laughs) And it didn't for the whole four hour flight. And I got off Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, this is how other people feel. (laughs) Right. This is how they fly. Yeah. So so I've had that own personal experience of having these symptoms that you think are mm-hmm. never going to go away, going through that somatic process and then going, OK, now I understand how my body was protecting me by bringing those symptoms to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Obviously, that fueled then your passion for the work, right? Yeah. My family is all grateful for it now, but I unintentionally intentionally took everyone around me on a journey because (laughs) you know everyone's like okay she's healing what's going on I'm shifting things and and that's the cool the other cool part about trauma work is that Mm -hmm. as you start to do it it has ripple effects to everyone around you as you become a more regulated human Mm -hmm. other people have to shift how they're interacting with you Thanks. Right. They were like, thanks for that. I didn't sign up for that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because at first it was like, thanks, I hate it. And now everyone's like, my sister actually consults with us at the Institute. Oh, Um, nice. My husband's uh, really completely shifted the direction he was taking. Our kids, we've seen, Mm -hmm. you're talking about your kids. Yeah. We've seen a profound difference in them as we've changed and seen their energy levels really shift. So it's worth it to do it if it's just for yourself. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are motivated by knowing that when they do this work, it will help the people around them. Right. Totally. 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 That's very cool. And, you know, when you talk about kids and your spouse and your family members, that can be motivation in and of itself that you just don't want mm-hmm. to see them. I mean, when I was on the podcast with Mark Mullen and he, we were talking about the generational trauma stuff. And at one point it was just like, one, I was having experiences he was talking that, that went on for about a month after that podcast mm. um, that unpacked around my own grandfather that I never met or met when I was, no, I don't have any recollection of, and, and his traumas that he was carrying. And then also I realized, you know, as we were talking about generational trauma, I was like, so whatever work I don't get done, my kids have to do. And then that really was kind of like a, an aha, but also an oh shit, right? At the same time, it was yeah. kind of that combination of I have to do as much as I can to kind of right my own ship, right? Uh, get right with things in my life, make apologies where it needs to be made, or at least 
forgive myself for things that I've done, forgive other people for stuff that I perceive that they've done. I mean, I got to start doing some of that work. Otherwise, I'm just passing this baton on to my kids yeah. and saying, hey, I'm not going to fix this. I'm going to suppress it. So here you, you deal with it in your life. You, you go do this stuff. And as I look back through the progression of my, you know, my family history, I could tell that they, they went from a very, what do I want to call it dysfunctional, like clinically dysfunctional. And then it kind of through my dad, there was still some of that. And then as it's come into, you know, my generation, there's, you know, it's lessened, I guess is my point. Yeah. It's like every generation did, even though it was, I'm sure subconscious did what they could to kind of move the ball forward with the least amount of damage to the next generation. Now that there's consciousness around it, I can say, well, and that was great that they did that. Thank goodness that they did it for me to be able to have the life I have. But then what do I want to do for my kids? So if I don't mm -hmm. do my own work, if I don't do my own healing, if I don't deal with emotional traumas and and uh, physical traumas, then then guess what? My son and daughter are going to have to deal with that. So it for me, it becomes, you know, am I a loving parent? Am I a good parent? Am I going to, you know, am I going to honor the past? And if I do all those things, that means that I need to do the work on myself so that my kids don't, and my wife doesn't. I mean, so that I make the world a better place ultimately, or at least, you know, the world yeah. around me. I just feel so excited to hear you talk about that because that has probably been the most profound shift for mm -hmm. me as well was, you know, I remember when I was younger, my husband actually stayed home with our kids. And part of that mm -hmm. was because, as I said, you're the better parent. <laughs> and right. there's a lot of there's a lot of shame around that as a woman right. mm -hmm. to feel like, wow, my husband does a better job of being with my kids, being tolerant, being patient. Mm -hmm. And I can look back at that version of me and just give her so much compassion and love mm -hmm. because what I was suppressing mm -hmm. took so much of my energy. Right. The other really cool part that has come out of this is just how much I know that my kids are going to still have work to do because when I was in that trauma state and they were in my womb, like they're already uh, assigned female birth kiddos, they already had all their eggs. And so they're already going to pass things right. down. Even if we heal now, mm -hmm. we were going to the grocery store after we had already gone to Ikea and I had two of my kiddos with me. They're exhausted. Right. And I said, hey, I need to go in the store. I want y'all to come with me. And my one kid was like, no, I'm staying in the car. I'm cranky. Like, I'm tired. And I started to get really frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, fine. And I went in the, the store and they didn't have what I needed. So I was able to come back quicker. And as I was walking and I got in the car, I said to my kid, I said, you know what? I'm not frustrated that you wanted to stay in the car. I am noticing that I feel envious of you because mm -hmm. when I was a child and I was tired and frustrated and had gone on all of these errands with my parents, I would not have felt safe enough to say what you said. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go to the grocery store. Right <laughs> <now>. <laughs> yeah. And so like the inner kiddo version of myself is so jealous or so right. envious that you can just sit in the car while I have to go do this. And I said, and I just remembered I'm an adult. Mm -hmm. and. I don't want to be at the store and you don't want to be at the store. So let's not go to the store. <laughs> right. It was this beautiful moment because she said, you wouldn't have been able. I said, I would have now. I said, if your grandmother had said that to her great grandparents, she would have gotten physically 
right assaulted yeah <laughs> right. i said if i said that to grammy and granddad i would have been writing sentences right or yeah, been yeah. grounded i'm like right. so the fact that you just got to sit in the car and chill i was like how cool i was like look at how much we have <laughs> we all the balls <laughs> right. she's like this is so neat and it was this beautiful like that is generational healing right there right we can honor what happened before and understand why they showed up the way that they did and also choose not to perpetuate it. Mm -hmm. Totally. 110%, right? As yeah. parents, hopefully we strive to leave our kids better off than we were. What that used to mean was financially. Now I think that means, you know, it, it means psychologically. And I think we're seeing that in the millennials and, and younger generations is there is more awareness around, just like you spoke of, this is how I feel and yeah. honor, honoring my feelings and being real with my feelings. And I think some, you know, as parents and grandparents, maybe we don't understand it because we weren't given those permissions or had yeah. the freedoms. And so we're like, to your point, frustrated because we're like, no, no, we didn't get away with that when we were kids. That's like, right. well, they're not really getting away with it. They're just expressing how they feel. Right? Which is great. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> right. Exactly. I'm going to remember that. What thought or wisdom would you like to kind of leave everyone with today? Um, just if you could kind of uh, think one thing that you think is important for every person to know, what would that one thing be? You know, I think a lot of times we look at trauma, healing or, or processing recovery, which, whatever word you want to use as this, like I do it and it's done. Mm -hmm. And something I have found to be very helpful is I'm always going to like there's always going to be things either happening or that happened. We get to focus on resilience. We get to focus on how do I thrive at the level that I really like to. And the goal isn't to uncover every single uh, traumatic thing that's ever happened to you. The goal is to be able to live happily and in a regulated state in the present moment and so if we center that mm -hmm. then the whole journey gets to feel a lot different and i think it feels a lot more it feels like a more surmountable task mm -hmm. yep totally totally well thank you so much for coming on today i appreciate your time and just our conversation where do people get a hold of you where do people find out more about your work sure uh so we have a website it's instituteforTrauma.com. Mm -hmm. And then if you are a Reels TikTok person, TikTok's actually my favorite place to be. It's at uh, <laughs> that one trauma coach with the number one. Okay. Um, those are the two places that people go to find us the most. Perfect. And I'm sure we'll put them in the show notes. However that works, we'll put those in our yes. show notes as well. <laughs> but uh, so, so glad you came on today. So happy to spend this time with you. Thank you for doing the work you're doing and continuing to make the world a better place. Uh, that's what I love to have you know, conversations around people on the show. So thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.